Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of the JV Club. I think we all know that 13 is a very lucky number and I couldn't be more delighted to have Malin Ackerman as my guest. I'm uh, very excited to promote our uh, web series that we did with Ken Marino and Erica Oyama Marino for Ben Stiller's Red Hour and Paramount and Abominable Pictures, uh, Burning Love. I've talked about it before. I'm talking about it again because it's finally premiering on June 4th. Visit burninglove.com. Malin is in it. Uh, an astonishing cast of women are in it. I'm going to be having some more girls who are in that cast on the podcast in weeks to come to kind of help fill that out a little bit because again I've just it was one of the most fun experiences I've had in my life um, a couple of the girls that have been on the show have already uh, I've already aired their episodes and they're on it as well June Raphael and uh, Natasha Legero are both on on the show as well so check it out and then of course Malin is in a movie called Rock of Ages that uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that opens it next week as well so I'm indebted to her for doing the podcast. Speaking of indebtedness, uh, Julie and Sean and Paige and Ben and Jonathan and Catherine, some Facebook and tweets and uh, and some personal emails that have just been ridiculously wonderful. I got to come up with new vocabulary. Maybe I'll learn another language just so I can express my gratitude in a different, unique way about how amazing your contact back to me has been, guys. Um, and then going back to iTunes feedback, I just wanted to thank some of these folks, uh, the Because Show podcast, the Wonder Kid, um, Milo K7. I'm, again, just trying to find ways to pronounce these things and, and probably messing them up. But Maya and Zuri, Brittany and Emily, Solstress, an American lost in Germany, which I love the uh, handle of, and uh, <laughs> and my other favorite, Check Chicken J. Uh, just a few shout outs to you guys. I'll be doing more iTunes shout outs in the future, but I uh, love you guys. Love knowing you're out there. Um, I just sniffled. Uh, that's kind of unprofessional. But I'm nothing if not unprofessional. And the last thing I wanted to say is that you can check out Malin's old band, The Petal Stones, at the end of this podcast. Their song Poison is playing. I hope you enjoyed. I got a huge kick out of it. And um, I will uh, hopefully hear from you guys soon or see you next time on the podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. Everybody knows that when you do a podcast, your guest is not required to look radiant. Um, people have shown up wearing... I wish people showed up looking less radiant because I always look horrible during for, for one of the podcasts. And I'm like, listen, this is audio. I, this is my chance to really shine as a dirtbag. Um, yeah, you really look like a dirtbag. I'm a real <laughs> dirtbag right now. Let's just go with schlubby. I, I still feel that I'm schlubby. But um, but this particular guest, she, she's got somewhere to be. We're going to just get right into it with the podcast. Um, wherever she's going... These are lucky folks because I opened the door and a radiant Mullen Ackerman was standing at my doorstep. Oh, thanks, um, Janet. <laughs> what a joy. And and rightly so, as you should be radiant because it's your birthday weekend. It is. Yeah. Which and is hence why birthday. I've lost my voice a little bit. So Yeah. So your so your your Friday night was uh the big the sort of big Friday birthday moment. Yes. Yeah, it was. And and honestly, like I guess it's here it is. It's like, it's getting older. So my big Friday night is like closing down a restaurant. Yeah. Yes. You know I mean? It's not like, <laughs> and then by 5am we were still dancing girl. No, not at all. It was yeah. literally like, Oh my God, they're putting chairs up on the table. <laughs> we made it. Guys. We High fives. It. <laughs> High fives all so around. It was literally like there's, it was four of us and we know the owners of the restaurant. It's our favorite restaurant here in LA. What it's is Italian it? Food, Austria mama. Oh wait, where's it that? It is so good. Oh yeah, on Melrose. On Melrose, oh, not Austria so Mabuka, but Austria Mama. Yes, that's the second. One. No, that's, that's the second one. Yeah. It is the second one. They exactly. Opened. They opened up the first one, and yeah. they kind of changed partners and whatever. But the yeah. Mama went to Austria Mama, so the that's real Mama is in the adorable. kitchen. Adorable. So we had some nice bottles of wine, and then they 
gave us some dessert wine and then some limoncello. And so, you know, needless to say, we definitely, I definitely felt it the next day. But I will say this about uh, Italian food and pasta is that I'm not a huge drinker. So when I do drink, it's very helpful to have carbohydrates because if I'm like, I think I'm just going to have a glass of wine and maybe a little meat and cheese, like... Yeah, a glass of wine will do a lot to me. But if I'm like, listen, I'm loading in the gnocchi, like yeah. suddenly oh, I good. can go a lot longer and two harder. Glasses. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My husband's a cheap date too. I love it. He gets <sighs> buzzed after a beer, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna take hello, hello, of hello you indeed. And then so, and then Saturday, you uh, had a more one-on-one birthday. Yes, my husband decided that he 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 booked us a table. At, he took me to the little door on third. I love the which little is door. one of like and the, little next door little door. Yeah, the next store a little charming is also really great yeah but it's it's some of the most beautiful like it's it's if you want to talk romantic that's romantic yes you just feel like even if you're in a fight or you hate <laughs> the person you're with you're gonna yeah. sit down in that restaurant and you're gonna just feel love you i know totally I mean? agree it is those are two fantastic places to go yeah. now i want to know where your brunch is because <laughs> i'm feeling like we're gonna well, be three for three brunch is uh it's actually at the Soho House. Okay. Which yep. is that membership only kind yeah, of place. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's, Guys, Soho House is a is a private club. This is the most, maybe the most LA thing that we've yeah. talked about of the three, but um, it's a private club. Uh, you have to have a membership and then there's a lovely, it's like on the top floor of a, of a skyscraper in kind of the Sunset Strip area and you get beautiful kind of 360 degree, degree views. Yeah. And, uh, and the food's lovely, but it's kind of more about okay. the beautiful yeah, decor the and the, yeah. And it's also just kind of they they have that outdoor patio where they yes. have trees on yes. the patio on the rooftop of Love LA. It. So it's cool that way. I mean, to be really honest with you, that's the only thing that you're missing because it's a lot of like industry people. And right. It becomes sort of like a business thing, but it's two friends of ours who have always wanted to go. Yeah. And he's an architect, and so he's really curious. We're like, well, why don't we go for brunch? It's really just kind of cool to sit there and yeah, and they they've got some good. Good brunch. I mean, you can't yes. really go wrong with brunch food like That's omelets. True. If you fuck up an omelet, you're then, in a then world you really, of hurt. <laughs> I would agree. You really ain't got anything. I going. would agree. But that's no. That's a really nice. That's will be a really nice destination too. I love that. I mean, the other two that you listed. What appeals to me so much about both of those choices is that while they are certainly well-known beloved LA places and it's not to say that they're like it's a hole in the wall that no one's ever heard of and that no, no, no one from the business ever goes to or anything they're very they feel very family oriented yeah. in the sense that like who runs them Less and they're trendy the, too, yeah and their traditions I mean? and their kind yeah. of values and it feels more like a place that you would maybe find in New York or San Francisco where totally. it's like a celebration of the whole experience in a very low-key kind of humble, yeah. it's all about the food and the totally. company Especially kind of Especially Austria Mama. That's really all yeah. about the food. That's like literally, the mama's in the kitchen making the sauce, the dad makes the pasta in the morning, the <sighs> son is there and he's the chef and the and the maitre d' and like he makes the tiramisu and like everyone has a position. The sister works there and the wife and that you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing. They love each other. They couldn't be sweeter to each other. Yeah. I would probably kill myself if I had to work with family every day. It's a lot. Well, that goes to, that goes to, yeah, that goes to show. I mean, that goes to show like you sort of, it's always interesting to have a window into, to familial, kind of constructs like that because I I think that too and I have a great relationship with my family yeah. but part of my relationship and maybe part of why it happens to be great for us is that I, I actually don't see them that often and it's not because I don't talk to them regularly or but I never ever argue with them because yeah. there's never an opportunity I'm exactly. always so grateful to be in their presence totally. so for me that's what feels like a normal dynamic and so I see something like that but then you think like yeah but we talk about it would be like we would have to change our entire upbringing and dynamic and yeah. f- be thrown into that kind of totally. environment which That's by the way the sounds way. like a reality show yeah oh. like ooh, oh. this family has to go and hey, never see each <laughs> other and they all have to do these other jobs and this oh family God. suddenly is all that working in a restaurant like, together you say that to an Italian family and they'd be depressed for yeah. life like there's just no my husband's yeah. Italian and so literally like and he's Italian Italian he's Italian Italian like yeah. fresh off the boat yeah. did not speak a word of English when I met him and his family when they come to visit it's not just mom and dad it's mom Mom, dad, sister, her husband, their daughter, and her boyfriend. So we have six people in the house, and they don't come for like a week because they spend money on the ticket. Yeah, they come for forty days, which Ooh, is that's how, and that's how they do it over there too. Where totally. It's like we're no, we're this is our vacation or this is our you know we take the time. Yeah, but but the amazing thing about it, what's so different is like 
So I'm such an independent person. Like I've grown up and I'm kind of like, oh my God, get me out of the house as soon as possible. That's yeah. sort of like the American traditional Absolutely. or Canadian, you know, yeah. you, you want your independence, you get out at 18 and you, you know, you're off at school and then it's really hard to go back and yes. live at home after that. Yes. Or if your parents come into your house and they start being your parent, you're like, mom, I'm 30 We don't do this old. anymore. <laughs> but the difference is, you know, the Italians, especially in the South where my husband's from, they live at home longer because one there's no jobs, there's no money, and they help put money into the into the apartment that their family lives in because it's really just kind of a dire state over there. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of get used to each other. But his family's amazing together. Like when they come and live with us, they could if if I was concerned, they could stay forever. Like they're so super easy. You know, wake up in the mm. morning, you smell the coffee. They're already making the ragu for for dinner. His mom literally un, um, irons my underwear. Now, now let's just be like let's just be really candid here it's a triangle it's a thong you know what i mean like there's nothing to iron but she irons and folds them and i'm like but you don't have so to do that adorable. but it's amazing you know and his dad is out in the garden gardening his brother-in-law is an electrician so he's fixing everything in the house like it's just you've got all these little worker bees in your home yeah. and they love taking care and you're just oh. like oh my god i'm on vacation in my own house yeah so, so it's awesome like i love that dynamic and I they all get too. along and they all just kind of you know he can tell his mom to like stop something and and there isn't a big fight it's like right. okay you know because they're so used to it yeah but you're right like it's it's for me it would be such a huge change to yeah. be around my family constantly because i've been such an independent person my whole life yeah well, let's yeah. get into that for a second, so we can we can place um, some context in your in your uh, your background. Um, uh, I think we've just established that you're from Toronto. Maybe yeah. we threw we threw that out there uh, from, right somewhere in there from Sweden. From, well, you originally, originally from Sweden, grew up in Toronto. Yes. Absolutely. Um, how long were you in Sweden? Let's reestablish <laughs> two whole years. The memories, and then I was sick the of it. Memories, packed my bags, and I yeah, got couldn't up. wait to go. <laughs> Already the but, independent but, streak. But honestly, um, my dad, my parents split when I was six, so he went back to Sweden when I was six, which was kind of amazing. It was horrible at the moment, yeah. but of course, in hindsight, it's amazing because I got to keep my ties with Sweden because I would Absolutely. go every summer. Every, I would get on a plane by myself at six years old. Like my mom would send me off, you know how they like chaperone. Yeah. Me? And it was the best experience ever. Like got to go in the cockpit. I got to help the hostesses serve orange juice. And like, it was so cool. So, so from sort of, um, a negative experience came so many positives. You sure. Know, and I got to keep the ties with Sweden and, but yeah, most of my time was spent growing up with the crazy Canucks over in Canada. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved growing up in Canada. It's such a great, Great place, and some of my best friends are over there. Do you have siblings? I do. I have three, but they're oh, okay. all half siblings. Okay, so they're all, but they're all younger. So uh, I'm in Sweden or on in in Canada. Well, two. Of, my sisters grew up in Sweden. Okay, so my dad remarried. Uh-huh. Had two girls. The one girl is here now. Okay, causing a lot of trouble. Oh, as she should be. yeah. And my brother and I, we grew up in Toronto. Gotcha. From my mom's side, so gotcha. I'm the older, wiser one. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were flying by yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's totally. kind of a <laughs> really, really wise. From very early on, it sounds to me like you might have even flown the plane based on uh, seeing I the could've. cockpit. I like to I think that you were. Yeah, yeah I totally could have. But you know, they were a little bit nervous about that. But I could do anything. I, I, you know what? I'm glad that you believe that you could. That's well, the, that's the right way could, to go. So I believe that. Yeah. 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 Um, and so uh, was it. Is, in the Toronto air. Were you in Toronto proper? Were you in sort yeah. of a small you- Toronto proper? And then we went and moved out. The worst timing ever. Moved out to the smallest town, population of like one thousand two hundred. Oh, you did. When did you, when, when I was were you? twelve? Twelve Oy. to sixteen. So you were getting ready to look in the juicy metropolitan teenage yep. years in Toronto. Yep, which is a bustling metropolitan. Yep, metropolitan to, metropolis yeah. to to the thousand person town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousand person town where all you do is get stoned out in apple orchards. That's about it. There is so no, there wasn't even a movie theater in the town. Oh my god! So it was okay. literally like I remember being asked. Oh, this is so crazy. Um, I went to I've been to like I went to four different high schools when I was a teenager. Oh, we gotta get into that. So the first high school I went to was is now closed down because it was just such a shit show. Yeah, but basically <laughs> it was the the biggest drug like high school ever our cheerleaders would drop acid and go cheer <laughs> like it was insane timothy leary's it, version of yeah, high school yeah. that yeah. is it was 
amazing. Crazy. You were weird if you weren't stoned in class. Like that it was so crazy. So I lasted about a year and a half there, and I was like, I can't. Like I'm. This isn't. What, let me back up for a second. What what took you from Toronto, your family from Toronto to that small town? Was it just you know let's what? get my stepdad at the time mm-hmm. had grown up there, uh-huh. and he was an architect, and he was getting a lot of work over there. And he had sort of gotten his own business and it's a beautiful town. Like, you know, for my mom and my stepdad, sure. it was great. And they had my brother who was a baby at the time. So it was kind of like a perfect, they wanted to get a house instead of an apartment. And, um, and I guess that was just sort of a good spot. It's only an hour and a half away from Toronto. So they could go mm-hmm. back in if they needed to. And do you remember how you felt when they, when they gave you the news? Like the I real life I was actually kind news? of excited. Oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. I was being bullied at school. So I was, you were, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, I was, I was bullied what a lot. Was up? I don't know. I, uh, I was a dork growing up. Great. I really was. You're among I would, friends. I would Every sit in the bathroom and, and, and read, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Remember, oh, remember that's that That's so one? funny. We just talked about that on the Jen Kirkman podcast. Oh, you did? I want to clarify something. Yeah. I just said you're among friends, and then I said every listener and I. I'm not saying all of you guys who I've now come to know and love are dorks. I'm saying <laughs> you're among friends in that many of us were, are, and embrace even if we're not. I don't exactly. want anybody writing me and saying like, Janet, thank you for calling me a dork. But I was really cool. Speak for yourself. By the way. Exactly. <laughs> um, what was um, the bullying like? Was well, it- there were different kinds of bullying. There was, um, luckily I always had like an older friend who was a year or two older who would kind of stick up for me. But yeah, I spent many like recesses in the bathroom stall just reading because I was scared to go outside. But <sighs> it was literally this one girl who now, you know, as we grow up, we realized she was probably being beaten by her parents or something like she was just crazy yeah she had cut off all her own hair and like and anyway so she got all of my friends to turn on me because they were scared of her yeah i've had that i had that too like the turn like yeah like they flip your friends like that's so evil really weird and it for some reason it was it was me she was out after me and Mm -hmm. you know i had been in a few like um, catalogs like Sears catalog and mm-hmm. stuff and so my everyone was kind of excited and I guess she was really jealous or, or whatever it was sure she got my friends to turn on me like they were scared to talk to me you could see the fear in their eyes and I was like oh my god what is going on so she would chase me with scissors at recess <gasps> and say, I'm gonna cut your hair off you fucking bitch oh like, my so it was really awful god. yeah it was really crazy um, and then there and then at another school there was a guy who decided he just wanted to pick on me and he'd always steal my hat during during recess when it was winter outside oh, he's like you're God. wearing a stupid hat <laughs> it's like but my mom put it on me you know oh, like it was just like no yeah so i had a lot i had a lot of bullying and of course you know i've been a skinny scrawny thing my whole life so i always got the girl or the guy who were like hey look at her she's the wall the bone rack you know right, like all that right. kind of thing and my, another girlfriend who used to tease me, she's like, you know what it means? If you have thin hair, it means you're really sick and you're going to die young. Like, <gasps> it was just like, what? I was it's so, cr- I mean, yeah, I just don't know where all of this, I mean, I, we do, we do know where it all comes from because we are talking about, it's got to, you know, be a reflection of what's going on at home. Yeah, Although so. there's still stuff where I feel like I've, I feel like now I'm at the age where I have friends who have kids, some of whom even have been surprised and chagrined to find out that for whatever reason, maybe it's because they do get influenced by someone who is angrier than they are and yeah. that there's some sort of magnetic attraction, even for a good kid, to be the focus of that spotlight of attention of that sort of magnetic, strange, angry kid. Yeah. But to, to, but that that bleeds over into that child's behavior because I really do have a lot of faith in my friends who are parents. And if they say we were horrified to find out that, you know, Jimmy or whoever participated in something yeah. and we couldn't even conceive of how that was possible i mean i guess no parent is going to be like oh i I totally expected my kid to be a bully but i just i just just, yeah it's just such a weird social environment and such a weird time um for kids to kind of be doing that and i just the morality of that of like but you but you're old enough to know that it feels horrible when someone does it to you and a lot of people encounter it and a lot of people feel it and then put it on someone else and you just wish there was a way to it's, curb that. I think that. that's one of the toughest ones is bullying. I mean, because there's so much peer pressure and you're feared into things. Like my friends, they didn't want to, you know, after school or I'd see them on the street, like they'd, we'd be normal again. We wouldn't even talk about it. Mm. But as soon as we were at school, they just, it was like... 
what do you do? You know, th- this girl was probably like, if you don't come with me, then I'm going to like cut your eyes out or what, you know, what do you, and you believe it when you're a kid, you believe yeah. everything. I mean, even to this day, as adults, you kind of get peer pressured into certain things. I was just going like, to say that. I was just going to say, I feel like I've been on sets and guys, yeah. I'm not even talking about just, you know, I don't like to only talk about show business. Hence we talk about being teenagers, but on sets, but also in jobs I had in my twenties when I wasn't in any way pursuing this, just regular kind of corporate jobs where yeah. you, bec- you think you like to think of yourself as the person who's not going to who would stand up for anything totally. and it's really insidious. It's like, Oh, my boss is really mean yeah. to this girl and I know it's not right, but I don't know how not right it is. Like, right. is it so not right that I have to quit my job because she's doing this to someone else? Do I say something to someone else? She yeah. owns this company. So there is no one to yeah. report her There's to. There's always that too. You know like- what I mean? And, and, and I'm, I, I would like to say every time, every time I was, that I would say, you know, this is inappropriate. That director spoke to that actress totally. and I think it made her uncomfortable. Totally. But you just get into this community where of whatever's happening in the moment where you're like, is this, I know, am I, cr-? you're like, is it me? You know, there's all that internal stuff because going on so much more also as an adult because you have a job depending on it is you yeah. know and i can definitely say that i have been on sets before where i definitely feel bullied into sort of swallowing my integrity or even on the verge of being sexually harassed and you're like i feel really uncomfortable right now but i'm not gonna say anything because i might lose my job or like you know what i mean course there's a limit if someone actually grabbed something or i'd be i'd be out of there but i mean it's like that fine line where you're like very fine is this sexual harassment yeah is he just kind of joking but it's kind of gross or you know it's just it's weird and it it it, i think it happens to everybody in a certain stage of their life or throughout all of life but i think that's the hardest thing to do is really to be truly a hundred percent committed to your integrity yeah. and standing up because it could mean losing, you know, things in your life that are really important to you, but yeah. it's hard to balance it out and figure out what's more important. I agree. I agree. And it's something I feel like I, yeah, I think it's an interesting topic and that's why I love the things that end up being a through line through our lives that where yeah. you think you think of school as the time for bullies and it's a hundred percent not true. There totally. are places it where continues. you go. Yeah. The power structure <laughs> continues in your jobs. Those of you who are listening in our jobs when, you know, it's, and we, and you talk about starts at the top, like that's real. Yeah. You go, you can go on a job where it feels like everybody's been treated with respect and you know, it's a joy and yeah. it's heaven and you, f- and you feel like everybody's there to celebrate the work, even though it is about money. Cause it's a business. Yeah. And then you go to another set where like the executive producer is awful and Ugh. everyone somehow takes that on and takes it all out and becomes awful to everyone else. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? And you think, uh Oh, I don't want to think this is human nature. Yeah. I know, but it's in it's hard. But it's hard sometimes to like get rid of that energy, especially if it's coming from a higher up. As as you probably have experienced and know, it's like when you get to a set. I think the director has so much. Like they're the ones who set the set the the pace, set the the mood for mm-hmm. the set. And if they're a positive light and they're really just kind of strong and full of integrity and and you know really are there for the right reasons, then everyone else takes that on. Yeah. But if you get a director or anybody, whoever is the leader at the helm, if they're in any way or shape or form negative or bullying or just manipulative, then everybody, it, it's a trickle down it effect. It really and is. Everyone's just miserable. And then everyone goes to the bar a little bit more often. And then yeah. everyone comes to work hungover. And, and maybe the, di- yeah. and maybe the <laughs> difference is that, you know, just to take it back to childhood, what you were just saying, maybe the only difference is that, uh, whereas your friend's, um, after school would kind of just behave as if it hadn't happened. The only difference then becomes that like in this environment, everybody is talking about it and still not doing anything yeah, about it. Like at exactly. the bar afterwards, when the director's not there, everyone's saying, wow, this is really a nightmare. Yeah. I guess we're just going to be in a nightmare until it's over. Totally. Cause you got to get that paycheck. You oh, know? it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that was more, so th- it was an opportunity for you to get, leave some of that behind when, yes, when exactly. your parents Going said back that, to why we started yeah, all that. The, um, that's the best thing about this podcast yeah. is I love the spirals and the tangents. <laughs> oh, um, 
Um, so, um, so you were a little excited, like, okay, well, this I is a fresh start. Excited. I was super Great. excited to be honest with you. I would, Great. And, and at 12 years old, you're not really thinking of the city or, you yeah. know, you're still Great point. kind of a homebody. Great point. I was, listen, I was a late bloomer. I was still playing with Barbies when I was 12 years old. Like nice. I was literally, I was a dork. Like I really yeah. was. Um, and I think I sort of grew up at the end of... 13 right mm-hmm. before I went to high school then I kind of went like oh my god wow I probably shouldn't play with Barbies anymore because <laughs> now I'm really gonna get teased and bullied uh, um but, but I, then you had to switch high school so much so was it like let's try this high school and well, then it turned I, out to be drug central I ended up going I went to that first high school which was just way too crazy for me I just wasn't I cannot wasn't believe <laughs> the cheerleader strapped ass oh yeah it was awesome that it was kind amazing. of incredible like it was just that's the, a movie the, you should write about that oh my god I've got a lot of things I could absolutely yeah. write about yeah but that was a craziness and so I was like all right I gotta get I gotta get out of here and then I went to the next school which was so much fun and that's and this is just in in different towns in the area in the area yeah yeah exactly the first one was literally like a 10 minute drive from where we lived the next one was like a half hour drive and i had to take a school bus every morning and um but i loved it and it was great and that's where i met some of my best girlfriends and that was more like you know regular high school is this all public school public schools Yeah. yeah And uh, that's when I discovered alcohol and, and nightclubs. And mm-hmm. that's was like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, this is fun. Because <laughs> I did not fit. I was like, you know, drugs like acid and stuff always freaked me out. And sure. I was scared of that. But I was like, I can handle alcohol. Yes, I can handle. <laughs> right. Um, but, but literally, I guess, you know, not even a year into it, into that school, I uh, randomly, I was at a... Um, at a, um, a shopping mall and they were having this modeling search Ford models. And I walked in, I was in the audience watching like the runway show of these girls that they, they had picked out. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the, you know, one of the agents from Ford saw me in the audience and he was like, Hey, you could probably be a model. Do you want to enter this competition? It's for like Ford supermodel of Canada. And I was like, sure. Any, at this point I was like anything to get out of this town. Right, like, right. Then I was jonesing. Yeah. So, I actually picked up and left and went to Toronto that summer by myself, checked in, lived with three amazing gay guys in their apartment and me, had my first experiences at gay, gay bars and like that wow. was, I was hooked because I was yeah. like, oh my God, these guys love to dance. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how old were you? Like 16? Okay. Yeah. So 16, um, I picked up, went to Toronto and um, so I had to start in a new school after that. Um, which was in Toronto, which was great. Mm-hmm. Loved loved that school. With um, your three gay dads. With my three gay dads, yeah. It was awesome. Doing modeling on the side. Love and, it. Um, and uh, did a little traveling during the summer. I would go to Milan to do some modeling or Greece or Spain. And it was a great opportunity to go and see the world. Sure. Hated modeling, but loved seeing the world. Yeah. Because everyone in my whole life had always said I was skinny and skeleton. And then you get into the modeling world and like, eh, you're kind of fat. Pounds. And you're like, what? Yeah, what, what a twist. <laughs> it was so, a it was such like twist. a whirlwind. You're like, yeah. wait a second. But all my guy friends are going, yeah, you're right. getting a body. And, right. and then the modeling world is like, oh my God, you're so fat. It was <sighs> so, so crazy. And what a weird, I mean, uh, self-esteem issues aside that, that, that potentially presents, uh, it's so interesting that you... It's so interesting to me that that young, you already came to understand this idea of this is a job. I'm not into it for the job, but these are the benefits. And like, it just seems so adult so quickly to have to make compromises that way. So right. young in terms of like, oh, this is a business. And like, I don't, I, I'm doing this for all of these things yeah. and I don't have to like this. Yeah. Like, I feel like I didn't learn those lessons until much later because... But I think if you're in a job early on that you really don't like, you know, I, or I at least, I just knew that this wasn't going to be my career. I, yeah. I wasn't in it. It was great because in Toronto, when you do catalog work, they pay well. So I could pay for my bills and I could pay for, you know, whatever I needed to pay for. Mm-hmm. It was better than, you know, working my butt off as a bar back and a bus boy, and sure. I, which I'd done as well, you know, sure. during my high school years, I've done it all. Um, but, but it was a great way to like, you work a day and that's enough for the whole week. Absolutely. So I was like, Oh, this is great. Even yeah. though these people are ridiculous, Toronto wasn't that way. Like when you do catalog work, they don't expect you to be half yeah. the size that you should be. It's a lot more reasonable. Yeah. It's a lot more reasonable. But every, anytime I went to Europe, that's when you really felt it. Like you're walking beside skeletons and you're like, Oh my God, I do feel fat. Yeah. Let me have another pizza, you know. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I guess that's my question. I know we talked a little bit about this um, 
I guess I should say, I mean, it doesn't really matter probably to anyone, but the reason that Malin and I got to know each other is because we did this thing. I've, I've teased a little bit on the, on the, on previous episodes because I'm so excited about it and everybody oh, wants to get too. the word out. But uh, <laughs> we did a, a web series together called Burning Love. So that's what I told you about in one of the intros um, a few episodes ago, guys. And uh, and we had this conversation a little bit uh, at lunch there one day. I think, uh, if memory serves, it was the day that we had to shoot the swimming pool scene because we were all really, really <laughs> agonizing over the fact that we were in bathing suits because we don't necessarily love being in bathing suits. Nope. That is not what, what I certainly don't get paid to be in a bathing suit, nor do I have the body that that I would spend a lot of time on if that was what I was being paid to do. Cause it's a job to your point point. be yeah. like, Oh, this is, I will spend much more time working out and not eating because this is what I've decided I'll be paid for. Yeah. Um, but you were mentioning that, <clears throat> that you had that experience with, with modeling abroad. And, um, I think I asked you this then, but I'll ask it again. Did you feel, did you, was your sense of self kind of solid enough by that time because you had such a sort of normal, quote unquote, I mean, you, obviously we know that it wasn't normal in the sense that you were going to Sweden when you were six and stuff like that, but that you had a, a that you were grounded in, in, a, in a very nice non-materialistic way and had a good family. Did you feel like you, you knew yourself enough to go, this is the longest question ever, you knew yourself <laughs> enough to go, I recognize that they're telling me that I'm to this or I'm not enough mm-hmm. that and that and this is a job and they get to think that but I know who I am or did it make you question kind of your value? It definitely made me question. Um, I was lucky enough though that somehow in my life I've been really, really lucky with the people that have been around me. Like I had when you go abroad and you model, they, they just set you in a room with another girl. So you're like sharing a room basically. Mm -hmm. And every time I was abroad, it was a new girl. And each of them happened to be really cool girls who were a little bit older than me, kind of took me under their wing. So I had always sort of a good role model in that sense. Um, I was definitely strong as a person, but, but no matter who you are or how strong you are, it's going to affect you at a certain point. And I, the only time I ever remember where I really did get into a little bit of a rut about body and, and, and all that kind of stuff was I had gotten really sick when I was in Spain. I got a really bad, nasty flu Mm -hmm. and I lost a ton of weight. Like I'm 130 pounds now. And I went down to about 114 pounds. I was like tiny. Yeah. And I remember going into the agency after I'd been sick and they were like, Oh, you look, Great. And I felt emaciated and horrifying. But of course, I was booking all these amazing jobs that God, I'd never booked so before in like scary. really beautiful magazines. And here's yeah. Catalog Girl going, wow, these are nice pictures. And wow, it looks nice. So I kind of, for for about a month there, I was like, oh, I'm going to do what everyone else does. I'm going to drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. And when I felt hungry, I liked feeling hungry. It's power. Like it, somehow yeah, it's it was power. A weird, it's like, this is a sign thing. I'm doing something right. Yeah. It was a weird, and to have everyone around you, but then, you know, luckily I went back to Canada and my agency in Canada said, Mon, you're way too skinny. What happened oh, to you? And all my guy friends, like I had a really good guy friend yeah. who was always just like, oh, you're so beautiful. And I got home and he's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you look ridiculous. And that's when I, it shook me, oh, it shook me up God. and I was like, yeah, what is wrong with me? This is so stupid. And then I went back to doing like Winnie the Pooh pajamas and Sears catalog. <laughs> And I was yeah. really happy about it. Yeah. Um, but it is, of course it throws you for a loop. And when you're, when you're, you know, 16 years old and you hear, you know, Ford modeling agency or elite models, cause I switched over to elite, it's the biggest agencies and I'm with them and, and I feel really special being with them. And so it's kind of like, you do have to find that happy medium and find that balance. And I think it's constant. And I think again, thanks to the people that were around me, you know, and having parents who were always promoting independence and you know you're your own person you're not anything that anybody else says you are and that really stuck with me and and as much as we we teeter and you know we can have our moments yeah um ultimately i was just really lucky that i never really got into any weird eating habits or disorders or um which could have easily happened in that world sure you know but um but again i think it's because I never felt like this was going to be a career choice. I was never like, oh my God, I want to be a model. I hated being on set. It felt like a piece of meat, like standing there and you'd be in a stupid outfit, in a stupid pose, and they'd be talking about, you know, and you're just standing there and you're like, hey guys, like you're just, you're just a piece of meat. You really are. And especially at that stage when you're a newbie, 
they don't care. Like in Greece and Italy, like you're just, you are just a mannequin. Yeah. When you become a big model, then you're respected and you get treated really well. And, but the beginning stages, it's, it's horrible. I I hated it. Like talk about having no integrity and no voice. And yeah, the idea of, uh, yeah, because that's tricky too. It's like, um, above and beyond the modeling aspect of it. Any, any, any time any of us take a job, I'm standing this again, back out beyond show business. Cause I think it's, I think it's Jermaine, um, is, is this idea of the slippery slope going, kind of talking about the peer pressure thing too, of what situation do you put yourself in where you don't put yourself in the situation with the intention or understanding of how it's going to shape your expectation of how you get treated and how you should treat other people. Like you go to do a thing that just seems like, Oh, I got hired for this thing or Hey, I'm going to go do this work, this job in this office. And what you don't realize going in is, Oh, what I'm about, what I'm setting myself up for is a situation where there's a hierarchy and I'm going to be treated poorly. Exactly. And is, and when you start that young, how much does that bleed into your expectations of how you're treated socially, how you're treated by re- in relationships, Yeah, you know, where yeah, you're like, Oh, absolutely. I'm just used to standing around and being told what to do. And I'm not really getting my own voice. Yeah. And now I'm falling in love with, you know, I'm talking about guys too. Like, and a guy has that, that experience working in a mail room of an agency where everybody yeah. treats him like crap. And then he's like, well, now I'm dating this girl and she kind of treats me like crap, but I guess right. I just get treated like crap. Right. That's yeah. like, that's my role in this. Yeah, and that is it's so point. hard to not, you know to not be able to like let that sort of sink in and kind of get in your gum up your works opposed to really having to like take the time to step apart from it and go this is temporary this is not about me this is something that I don't want to participate in I will you know show up be a part of it in the way I have to and then walk away from that and be a strong confident person outside of it and be respectful and not take it out on anyone yeah and I think some people are have are lucky enough to be raised with really great, you know, parents who teach them this and it's easier for them to separate and some are not. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, I feel like we're doing a therapy session here. It's great. But I think that that's really, that's really something that, you know, my husband and I, we do this all the time. We, we've been together nine years. We've never fought in our whole life together, (laughs) (laughs) but we, we always do checks where we, you step back and you go, okay, what's unbalanced in our lives? Mm. What's unbalanced in our relationship? What do we need to work on? What do we, and we really treat it like, um, this is just as important as getting a job or as making money or as, you know, whatever it is. But I think it's so important to continually just work on yourself, check yourself, know your worth and what you're worth mm-hmm. and know that the the job that you're in, if you're in the mailroom is not a reflection on who you are as a person. It's just a stepping stone to yes. a greater, you know, a bigger, because that's where you have to start. Yes. And that's fine. Everybody started there. You're going to be treated like crap, but you're not a piece of crap. You're right. actually really strong and you have motivation. You're going to get to the top. Right. You know, but, but it is hard to separate that. And I think it's really, really, really important to always, always, always check yourself and go, all right, how important is this to me? And what mm. am I, you know, is this really who I am or is it just a job or is it just, you know, and it's easier said than done. Right. You know, but, but, but that's why you have to constantly do it because it's like a muscle that you yeah. have to exercise to make exactly. it stronger. Exactly. And I think that's super equally as important in a relationship to just go, all right, well, are we being a little bit testy with each other? Are we mm-hmm. bickering a little bit? Why? Okay, let's yeah. get to the bottom of it and let's just talk about it oh, instead of just that. pointing fingers and going, well, you didn't do this today. Like you didn't do the dishes. And you're like, it's not really about the dishes. Come right. on. <laughs> yeah. To have that kind of big that, picture stuff is yeah. so huge too. What, what, it was fun, interesting what you were saying about, um, about the, those moments of, of feeling valued for your flu symptoms, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and how insidious that is. I was just talking about this yesterday with someone because I was playing tennis and um, I was talking about how you just sort of get into like the fitness conversations where I was, you know, I like to play tennis in Griffith Park, which guys, if you don't know, L.A. is this beautiful, great park that I live right next to. And and um, and you can there's beautiful hiking trails and you see coyote and rabbits and all the stuff that kind of helps you check out from from like the work kind of stuff that goes on in the city. And um, and so I was kind of showing my friend like, oh, and then I used to go running up that hiking trail. And and all of a sudden I flashed to when I was really doing that most and I, and I wasn't 
thinking about it, but all of a sudden I had this memory of, you know, that was a few years ago. And I was like, man, I was like getting up the crack of dawn to go running for two hours. And then I was spinning all the time. And then I was, um, you know, playing tennis all the time. And I was so, here's where I'm going with this. I was so (laughs) skinny and so fit and I wasn't even doing it for a job because I've never been paid for that stuff. And it was, and I looked great yeah. and I was just eating a bunch of, you know, it was like, I could eat a bunch cause I was so active and I just, yeah. but when I, but when I really think about it and I hadn't even really thought about this until yesterday, all of a sudden I had, I was struck with this, this epiphany where I was like, cause I was like, gosh, why don't I have the energy to do that anymore? Like I was so fit and I was even, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. even skinnier and da, da, da. and guys, I'm not, I'm pretty skinny. So I'm not saying like, in no way am I yeah, saying, I, you know, but I knew, but I'm not saying like, uh, I think of myself as overweight or, you know, anything like that, nor do I think that there's a set weight that anyone should be. And that's kind of yeah. what I'm getting at is I was unhealthy, right. but it's very insidious when you are doing something that makes you look quote unquote better uh-huh. on the outside mm-hmm. to other people but you don't feel good on the inside. That is so poisonous because then you have this thing to go back to in your mind where you're like, but when I was running all the time and starting to ruin my knees and I just felt motivated, it was like, okay, Janet, why were you doing that? You know what? You were running from something, literally your feelings. You loved exercising (laughs) and it's better. It's a better thing you could have done. Sure. Than drinking a bunch or than doing drugs. Totally. It's a great addiction, quote unquote, but nonetheless, I was doing that because I was chasing something or being chased by, by bad feelings. And can I tell you something that was really interesting is when I was a teenager at one of the high schools that I went to, in high school, as we know, like kids can be mean and bullied and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, we're very judgmental as teenagers because out of fear or insecurity. And um, I had a lot of guy friends growing up. So I was always so afraid of girls. Um, and anyway, so it, at this, in this third high school that I went to in Toronto, um, I had a group of guys that I hung out with all the time. And there was this one guy who was, he was really good looking and he started dating this girl who was, you know, in our teenage years, we all were like, Oh my God, she's like, she's really overweight and like fat and not that attractive. And you're really attractive. You know, that horrible, like comparison when you're, when you're surface stuff, surface stuff. And he just looked at us all and he goes, you know what, guys? By the way, I didn't say this because I didn't. I was so shy in high school that I maybe said two words. <laughs> That's it. Um, so I would just listen in and, and the guys were teasing him and whatever. And he goes, guys, you know what? When she walks out of that bathroom in her bra and underwear, she is so confident and she is so hot. And we're like, oh my God, that's so true. Because if you have someone that you're going to do a little dirty with, you right. know, how unattractive is it to have someone who be like, Oh my God, no, don't look at my body. Don't. It's like, yeah. if you're already there at that point, this person's attracted to you. So bring it. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think so. So going back to like, if you feel confident in your own skin, no matter your weight, no matter you bring that confidence, it is so super Sexy. attractive. I couldn't you can agree be more. The most beautiful person in the world. If you don't have confidence and self-esteem and yeah. have that sparkle and that zest for life, you're not going to be attractive. It's yeah. going to last for a minute until you yeah. open your mouth. And there's a difference between true attractiveness and, you know, fronting. Like yeah, if you're exactly. a, if you could be if you're a stunning woman but you feel horrible about yourself or you're a super attractive guy but you've not taken the time to become anything other than that. Yeah. With a with with a with with Boring. an essence and an education yeah. and a point of view. Yeah. Everybody's going to see that. I mean, at least the people that you want to be respected by are probably going to pick up on it and you're going to, there's going to be some things falling flat. Let me ask you this. When you were, um, I mean, it sounds like you were having the experience as a teen because you were getting all of the exposure to the traveling and the sort of multicultural stuff happening. Were you also kind of bearing yourself in books as well? Or was there music that you were really loving? Or were you just kind of vibing off of the experience of just seeing these places that were brand new and all that kind of stuff? Um, Definitely music has been, you know, soundtrack to my life. I was super involved in music. I, I would funnily enough, cause you had asked me earlier if I had any crazy poetry and stuff from when I, I did, I said, mom, uh, if you have yeah. anything around that you <laughs> yeah. want to like trot out and read, be Listen, my guest. I was obsessed. I, I thought I was a poet. So I would write, I, I wrote a lot and I, 
I painted a lot. I sketched a lot. Nice. So I ske- I, I loved sketching like faces, people's faces. Oh, you would. That was good. That was my next yeah. question. Is like what that were you was drawn my, to sketch? That was my escape. I um, got from my mother. She's dyslexic, and I have that as well. So reading a book to me was. Um, stressful how frustrating as opposed how to, frustrating yeah now i've learned how to read properly and like yeah. um so that because literally like i would see a book and you'd open it and the page would just turn into a pattern like it would be wow. like it'd be really hard for me to see this and i'd skip lines and i couldn't understand you know and it just wasn't enjoyable so i just never sure. did it um now i've i've learned like if, you, if i put a ruler and on the book and then just kind of go sentence by sentence mm-hmm. then I can see it mm-hmm. and I won't I won't see that pattern so interesting. I've never heard it described that way yeah. as a, the idea of just a pattern but that really makes sense it's really weird it's like it becomes 3D and something jumps it's yeah. like I don't know if you've ever stared at a stage with a spotlight and someone's in spotlight yeah and f- for me if I stared at it long enough my eyes become fuzzy and it yes. does funny things yes that's what it does when I look at a book I totally get it's it it's like a fuzzy weird like pattern that jumps out and I'm like and I can't see the words probably so that, that way you jump yeah you jump yeah, and I don't know what what kind of dyslexia. I don't know what that is, but that's, so that's what it is. I'm so pleased that you took the time to describe that because that is a way in for me to understand and visualize what your particular experience yeah. with it that I've never heard before. I'm, it's I'm really, really interested, and it's really strange too because I'll, I'll read something maybe three or four times before I actually understand or get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, even a script. You know, and yeah. there's a line in it, and I'm going, and I'll read it a few times. And I'm like, I don't get it. Why yeah. is this? funny and scripts are even harder in a way because they're not as linear because there's so much other stuff but it's actually easier because the patterns are already there much wider too it's a wider pattern whereas a book is just so condensed and then patterns jump out that are not supposed to be there yeah but that but it is sort of the reading and then you'll hear someone else read the line and you go oh that's what it says. Why? Don't, and I, yeah. it, it'll be like, is that a helpful that it, to you? Like when you're learning so lines much, to sort yeah. of keep it oral in the, in that sense. Definitely. Oh, yeah. If I can hear someone read my lines, yeah. then I'll learn them so much quicker. Yeah. Um, but, um, but you loved music, but loved music and loved all that kind of stuff. So, but I think just the experience of being out and meeting people, the socialization with a different culture constantly, sure. that was the most interesting and hearing, you know, how hearing their stories and how they grew up and, and mostly just mannerisms and, and seeing how they work in the world and how they approach things. And that's sort of how my husband and I met. We, he didn't speak any English, but we were in a band together. So I watched him, you know, every day in and day out, how he was with the other bandmates. And, you know, he would, he was always so sensitive to people's feelings and it, it's what amazing. was the band what was the and how did it form for with oh a, my God, with a non-speaking so crazy what well, was me and three italian guys and it, it was literally we were called the petal stones like as in flower petals and okay. stones i was the flower petal and they were the stones got it um and uh it was this guy the guitarist that i met and he wanted me to help him write lyrics in english because he didn't speak very well and and where's this happening here in LA it is okay great so it was just me and the guitarist and the bassist at first and we were writing music to make a long story short um and I'd never done music before by the way but I was like oh my god this would I had been here for like almost a year and not gotten one single job and I was like oh my god this would be so much fun who doesn't want to be a rock star like sure sure, I'll give it a shot why not I'm in Hollywood let's you know let's (laughs) make things possible sure so then he was he said he was the one who said well since you're going to Sweden this summer we have a drummer in Italy who we only want to work with him. Let's try to convince him to come back to LA. So like, sure, I'll come to Italy and hang out and meet nice. this drummer. And that's how we met. So we met wow. in Italy, convinced him to come back with broken English, you know, broken Italian, I should right. say. He came back and, you know, like five months into being in a band together, we all of a sudden were just like, all right, this is happening. Whatever is happening. It was that great moment of you really get to know someone where, where actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And it's such a cool way to get to know somebody yeah. because it really is at the end of the day, what you're saying is not really what you're saying. You know, there's yeah. always something, something behind the words that you're, you're saying. Um, I sort I, there's, I'm, I'm drawing a very distant and weird and unnecessarily uh, poetic parallel between dyslexia and this idea that you fell in love with someone. Yeah. And words maybe. weren't that important. I'm not saying that that's real, 
but in a fairy book, in a, yeah, in a fairy tale world, somehow there's like a, a tiny link there that I like. Sure. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is like, I'm sure we all function from a place of, you know, if we're visual learners or if we go a lot by instinct or feelings, or if we go a lot by intellect, if we're attracted to the intellect of a person, that's what drives us. Or it, for me, it was very much animalistic. Obviously it mm-hmm. was just sort of like basic caveman instincts you know what i mean like but he's look a man how it developed can- and like became you know this this really well-run relationship yeah, in the sense crazy. that the, the communication with with such limited communication yeah. to begin with to have communication be such a huge key in your relationship is he is he did you is he like other men that you found yourself no. attracted to? Not what it. were the guys that, Not when you were a teenager, what were the guys that you were attracted to? Other <laughs> than guys. adorable gay guys that you could dance yeah, exactly, with. exactly, that I loved dancing with. Um, it was literally, you know, I, it, let me let me do, say this, random. It, they were all random. Everyone was super different. I feel like, that way too a little bit. Yeah, and I had, but my my very first, like, long-time boyfriend who was with for like three years he was very much like loved being the center of attention and you know, he was the outgoing one. He was the one who was out there and like, just, um, my husband was very shy and like, just very much about, I don't, I don't even know what he was about, but it was very different than anyone I've, I'd ever been with all these guys. It was more, they were more showy guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and always, they were always, quite jealous or possessive and Mm. my husband is the complete opposite he's super independent not jealous and which you can't have a jealous yeah husband did it make do you feel like it made was there a piece of that that made you feel precious in that way like that sort of that's the that's sort of how the the attractive side of a jealous person shows itself is like wow i really you know i'm so important to this person that i can't stand the thought of exactly and then it just quickly spirals into like oh no this is really unpleasant and like now you're just unhappy and now i'm unhappy all the time mad at me because i'm talking to a dog (laughs) literally a dog and it's a male it's but i like what do you you know what i mean like it got to the point where i was like oh my god this is crazy that's amazing and I can't, it's so unattractive to me, jealousy, yeah. and especially like guys are out at bars and you're like, are you talking to my woman? And it's like, first of all, he didn't know I was your woman. You right. know what I mean? Like, and they just get so crazy. But this is, that guy is the guy who I met at this high school in Toronto and ended up going to, he ended up, he was half Italian or half Italian. His parents, his mom was Italian. His dad was German, but he was like, he considered himself Italian. It was like yeah. that. We called them Gino's in uh-huh, Canada. Uh-huh. He was Gino. And so we ended up, he was, he left to go to a different school, a Catholic school. And I was, and I, because in, because he was a jealous person, I in turn became jealous as well. And I was like, mm. Oh no, you're not going to go to a school with girls in uniforms and I'm not going to be there. So I went at <laughs> a meeting with the principal and lied and said I was Catholic, raised Catholic. Is this the fourth high school? This is the fourth high school. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we came back to this. Oh yeah. Oh my I gosh. This is genius. Okay. No idea what Catholicism wow. meant. I was raised Buddhist by my mom. So I was like, yeah, I was Catholic. Like hail Mary. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what? Like it's yes. like, like, like it's God save the queen. Totally. Like people just say it in conversation. Yeah. Like hail Mary. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Thank you very That's much. That's amazing. God like no idea but somehow smuggled my way into this catholic school got my little uniform like on ash wednesday which i still don't really know what that is they came around put ashes on my forehead i was like what are you doing they're like it's you're supposed to know you're supposed to know mullen yeah okay Uh. (laughs) i don't know what that means but it was it was literally like the it was me i was the only blonde person in that school like naturally blonde let's put it that way everyone else was spanish or italian Mm. And, and then me, like sticking out like a sore thumb. And it was just, it was, it was great. Like the people there were, were actually really nice. Like I had a really good time, but it was just the wrong move to go there because I can't of a boyfriend. You follow in the, in high school, you <laughs> followed a boy, not yeah. to university, nope. not to the big city, but to a private Catholic school. Yeah. And, uh, and a less That's amazing. And a, and a, uh, educationally, like on, uh, as far as standard, I was in a really great school in Toronto and went to a lesser school. Let's put it that oh, way, like no. less appreciated school. But it, I was really happy because, you know, in the end I ended up getting good grades and that was the last year of high school. So I ended up mm-hmm. getting into a good university that I wanted to get into. But 
But it was just the silliest. That was the silliest thing I've ever done is like literally gone out of jealousy. That's amazing. To the, like that I, to the point where that I lied. That is another was movie. Cabbage. Guys, don't, do not <laughs> steal Malin's ideas. They are being said on this podcast and recorded. Oh, and therefore, so I mean, I'm going to steal them. Don't get yeah. me wrong. We'll just write it together. We wrote, we wrote it together on the podcast. But uh, this, that is also just an amazing I've done a lot of those kind of things oh. where I've just like, my best friend and I, we decided at three o'clock in the morning after, ha- I, I won't name any names, but I guess we were kind of groupies for a minute, but we met this band that were, they were in Toronto. They were a big band and, and we met them sort of backstage and, and randomly she met the singer and I met the drummer. Oh, it was a drummer. But I'm dying to and, know what this band was. And literally, I'll tell you off the record. All right. Sorry, um, guys. But basically, uh, it was like this big festival and, and we got backstage somehow we lost each other. And, and, and during this time, she met the singer and I met the drummer and both of them had asked us to come to D- Detroit to mm-hmm. the, for the next, that was their next stop. Mm-hmm. They were going to be there for three days. And I was like, oh, I can't. My friend is here somewhere because he was like, get on the tour bus with us. Let's go. And I was like, oh my God, I can't. My friend is here. I can't just leave her. I don't know where she is. And at the end of the night, we met up and, and we both had that moment. We're like, oh my God, you'll never believe what happened. Ah! And not only that, but it was the singer and the drummer of the same band. And there were like five different bands. Oh, that's so, so three o'clock funny. in the morning. Their that's, tour bus I would already take that left. as a sign. I would be like, that is serendipity. It's just, yeah. uh, we did. So Good, three o'clock great. in the morning. And you'd always wanted to visit Detroit. I'm sorry. Always. I just couldn't, that, that couldn't like, resist that. Detroit, I love you. It was my dream. It. it was yeah. my dream. So we get in the car at three o'clock in the morning. We drive to Detroit. We check into a motel. We're like, we got to get some sleep, man. We can't m- meet up with them like this. We haven't slept. At right. All. We get like four hours of sleep. We call them at eight in the morning. We're like, hey, so we're on our way to Detroit. Meanwhile, we're like taking showers. <laughs> so we meet them and we spend three days in Detroit with them oh my gosh, and had the time of our lives. We ended up it. like actually dating them separately, you know, for, for a while. And, um, it was, it was amazing. So they so weren't just fun, total rascals. Like no, were they, they were seeing, a, they weren't really, seeing like they didn't have like a girl in every port. No, they, they yeah. weren't seedy at yeah. all. Like the one guy that the, the drummer that I had met, he had just broken up with a girlfriend of like four years and mm-hmm. like, they were really, really lovely. Oh, you like guys. a drummer. That's not random. Yeah. Know, right. We got a couple drummers in there. I gotcha. Oh my God. But gotcha. like things like that, we, I've had a lot of fun in my life that way. Like I've definitely sort of on a whim just decided to do things and, yeah. and spontaneous and, and I love that kind of stuff. It, yeah. It's never been to the point where it was dangerous. I mean, it could have been, you know, I'm sure at certain moments in my life, but, um, that's always been. So I guess the Catholic school thing was kind of one of those as well, where I was like, well, I'm just going to do it. Why not? You just I do it. it. Whatever, whatever you want to do, you just go and you get it done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to get a uniform. I'm going to be Catholic and I'm going to be with my boyfriend. It's so interesting too. Cause it's, it, it feels like all of these different anecdotes that you've told feel like such great training for a future actor because you're sort of trying <laughs> yeah. on all these different roles like yeah. and now i'm going to be the girl who goes yeah, i'm the girl who goes to go to detroit for this yep. drummer for three days now i'm the girl who goes to catholic school now i'm the girl who's getting on the plane to go to sweden and yep. totally I mean, you're right. you really are you're just like a sponge for all of these different types of people and all of these exchanges that you're having and this understanding of kind of humanity in a very broad way in a way that a lot of us don't get to experience at that yeah. age because we're very isolated in this one community of people for this amount of years and then this other one for this amount right. of years and it's more of steps whereas you got to kind of you know slingshot yourself all yeah. over the place yeah. and collect all of that stuff and kind of put it away somewhere yeah um well let me ask you this since we know that music is is important to you what are you or, i mean I, no one likes being put on the spot but what are, are there bands that you're really excited about that you're listening to right now or somebody you just went and saw that's kind um, of on your mind i love like there's a lot i have such a like a, a random yeah sort of versatile array of music that i like but yeah. i i through and through, I really am a rock and roller. Like I just, you know, um, anything for like I really like all the old hairband rock, you know, Led yeah. Zeppelin and like yeah. ACDC and Metallica and all the things, all those guys, the, the guys that I grew up on. But I love all the new stuff that's coming out. That you know, like um, Broken Bells and the Black Keys are oh, awesome. Black Keys. I love them. Talk I, about something that feels like it transcends time yeah, and space really in terms of does. a sound. It feels a little bit like the new age Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I see me, that whenever for they, sure. Um, and uh, um, Jonesy, who was yep. the singer of Sigur Ross, I yeah. love his sound. It's oh, so cool. Radiohead, you can never go wrong with. Sure. Um, I like, there's, if you guys have not heard of this woman, she's sick. 
It's Carrie Ann Hurst. Carrie and Ann she, Hurst. Yeah. And okay. the song is Hell's Bells. That's my favorite song of all time. Okay. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I love just, you know, random. There's so many great independent singers, bands that are out here in LA, especially yeah. you to see these bands. There's one called Fair to Midland that I saw before they were even signed. Yeah. I and feel like I've heard Fair to Midland. They're amazing. Um, they really, really are. Um, I've, you know what? I have so many uh, awesome listeners who have excellent taste in music. I'm, I know that I'm going to get some really great treats from people who are like, Mullen just turned me on to like six bands that I yeah, can't stop listening I'm to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many great ones. That, and of course, as soon as you ask me, I'm like, oh God, I can't think of any of You've them. You've already Re- been Regina Spector. Yeah, she's amazing. You can't go. Like, she's a true artist. She's, she's amazing. kind of unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, and, and then there's also like Etta James and... Um, Edith Piaf and yeah. Charlotte Gainsbourg, who I love. Yeah. And, you know, so it can range from anything. Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and, you know. The lady loves music. The you yeah. love the music. So I love really that. anything. I love that. What was, um, do you have, uh, do you have pedal stones, uh, like <laughs> tracks sitting around somewhere? They're on iTunes. Well, I'm definitely. Oh, you can find them. Oh, on I am dudes. definitely putting one of those on. Um, we, I, I feel like I need to have like a a, a, a sampler. I feel like I need to provide a oh free C, like Urban Outfitter style sampler yeah. CD yeah. to the Mullen podcast episode. Um, what if if I could if I end up playing? Well, I, first of all, I will play uh, part at least part of a Pedal Stones um, song. Uh, what one should I get off of iTunes that I could put on here? I have two, and you can listen okay. to them, and you can decide which okay. one you prefer. I would say either Poison, uh-huh. which there's also a YouTube video too. Okay, nice. Stu- like students we'll link from the, that up on the Facebook page. Students from the New York Film Academy did it way back in the day, which is awesome. It. I'm loving um, every moment that's happening right and, now. And uh, the other one is Free. Free. Okay. It's either Free or Poison. Those were sort of like our songs that were okay. kind of like our thing. And mind you, this was back in 2003, and it was right when like Evanescence and Linkin Park were really, for us, were really big and yeah. new age. And so that those were our inspirations. And now has any of that, because uh, obviously we know that you were a, a poet, a big poet back in the Toronto <laughs> yeah, days as that's well. That's what I thought. Or your, was your poetry, was it like uh, social? Was it like, this is all the wrong that's happening in the world? Was it a little of everything? Was it like, this is about a guy, you broke my heart? Was it like, no one understands I'm me? I'm sure there was a lot of like, it was a lot of guys. It was all very sort of dark and um, uh, it was definitely inspired by, um, oh my God, uh, Jim uh, Jim Morrison. Okay. Like very like doesn't really, isn't it's metaphorical. Well, I'm taking so you on anything. a journey with like, this yeah, poem. totally. I was, oh. I was in love with Jim Morrison. Like I just loved, I had all his poetry books and I yeah. was like, oh my God. You know what? I amazing. hated him. You did? Isn't that crazy? Wow. I don't know what I, I just thought My he was so, yeah, I, I, because I, and listen, I'm not saying that I didn't have crushes on people that were, or were not geniuses early on. For some reason for me, I just was like, he is such a, he is so pretentious. Like I just got in my, I got in my mind that I had figured out that he was a phony. Right. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. You know what it probably came from? I'm sure someone I liked was like, he's a phony. And I was right. like, yeah, I think that too. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> I don't even remember where that developed, but I remember being like, oh, he's one of them Jim Morrison types. Like oh I was God, so, so dismissive of it. I don't really even feel that way anymore. But for some reason, that's when so I was funny. a teenager, I was like, I don't have time for that. But then like somehow, you know, Robert Smith's lipstick was like... <laughs> <laughs> super authentic I love it. like i, I mean love you know it. there's no yeah. real like through line there it's not like i was listening to bob dylan saying jim morrison was no good right. i was listening to someone who's like way worse wow. of, a, of a songwriter than jim morrison bob dylan is amazing though he, he is his amazing. i mean that's all all the word you know his wording is kind of unbelievable but he yeah. was more revolutionary he was more yeah i think jim morrison was just on a drug train you know what I mean? <laughs> and i was like woohoo cool uh, um, but there's yeah. there's some great and by the way, all of my poetry, way more like what you're describing and what Jim Morrison did. So yeah. even on top of everything <laughs> else, hypocrite. on top of every judgment, I totally was writing like, the flowers of the morning are much like the night <laughs> yeah. where the da 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 like Just sort like, of what it was. Feel it, see it, it you was know. Like, my, I remember one was called Evil Legacy. Oh, and that was I like, love it. it was, or, um, uh, oh, oh, I have one that was like four sentences. I was like, um, uh, 
rejoice the sadness. Uh, oh my God, I so oh, had it on the way gorgeous. here. I was trying to think of it. This is gorgeous. Um, oh, sweet infant born blind of the bad, rejoice the sadness. This world has gone mad. That was the kind of stuff Whoa. that I was. So it was like that kind of like that's not too shabby intricate like yeah. i'm super deep and like listen I'm, it also rhymed so yeah, that's yeah. saying a lot yeah it oh, was it was kind amazing. of like cheese volley it was amazing um i we are at an hour i could talk to you for ages longer but i know you have somewhere to be so i'm much no, to the chagrin so yeah. much to the chagrin of of myself and i'm sure the listeners because this flew bye um thank you so much for doing the podcast i can't believe we're able to end it on a morose poem that you did remember from high school that yep. is brilliant i got to do my homework on this one because i've got songs to look up i've got things to add i've got stuff maybe maybe i'll play some stuff at the beginning of the podcast maybe some stuff at the end um but thank you so thank you. much thanks for having we me. have this a little awesome. now we've cemented your birthday weekend with like an actual thing that yeah. uh that you'll have to keep forever and ever i'm a turning this into present. the most yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, my gift to you is you doing my podcast you yeah you wow janet wow <laughs> um Malin, thank you so much again thank you and uh we'll uh, see you guys next time on the podcast Now leaving Nerdist.com.